You are listening to the sassiest podcast in the world. Born in the Nordics, democratizing B2B SaaS knowledge everywhere. Hi, I'm Daniel. And I'm Thomas. And we are experienced SaaS professionals that are curious about how other successful SaaS companies go to market, scale, build winning teams and great products. Join us on our journey as we speak to SaaS leaders trying to get hold of their secret sauce. And today's guest is Gustav Westman, the founder and CEO at Brightbit. There is never enough people, never enough money, never enough resources, right? So to be efficient and solving problems for the customer that helps the customer to, I mean, save time or make money. I think that's that's a really important thing. And what you can do with generative AI today, that, that's crazy. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Sassiest Podcast. And uh, Daniel, how are you today? Very good, very good. I feel sassy. I'm ready to go here. Looking forward to have this guest on the show here today because they have done things a little bit unconventionally in, in terms of building products. So it's going to be nice to hear. We always love ourselves. <laughs> you should love yourself. No, no. We love ourselves a story that's slightly different and unconventional. <laughs> and I, I do appreciate myself. But <laughs> uh, you should. I appreciate you anyway. Thank you. And uh, what I also appreciate and what I hope you guys appreciate is the... B2B SaaS experience coming to you in mid-April in Malmö, the B2B SaaS capital of the Nordics. Uh, and you can look forward to two to three days of fantastic content. We, we have some really good keynotes uh, coming. We have Nick Meta, the CEO and founder at Gainsight, the father of customer success. We have Elena Verna, the PLG guru. We have Nathan Latka coming from the US with his fantastic energy and many, many more thought leaders and professionals out of the Nordics, but also we also fly over some international uh, ones. And um, yeah, Go to sassiest2024.com, get your tickets and read more about it. And looking forward to see you there. And now, let's go on with the interview. Today, we are super happy to welcome Gustav Westman, the founder and CEO at Brightbit. Here is a guest in the Sassiest podcast. So warm welcome to you, Gustav. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. Like, where are you calling in from today? Like, where in the world are you situated right now? So I am based in Stockholm now but i am in, in the, the uk uh, a lot as well but today i am in the wo- wonderful stockholm with the snow this is what we what we would consider the northern parts of sweden <laughs> absolutely <laughs> <laughs> awesome it's, it's great to have you here gustav and we're looking forward to uh, a really interesting session here with you today before we dig into some of the the main topics, like tell us a little bit about yourself. Who is Gustav? So I'm 33 years old. I'm from the west of Sweden from the beginning, mm-hmm. actually. Uh, but I moved to Stockholm, yeah, six seven years ago, and been working with sales and marketing for over 10 years. And I'm CEO and, and founder of Brightbid. And I mean, I love growth, both personally and professionally. Been uh, obsessed about that since many years i like tech to see how it can do our lives easier and more efficient and um yeah i, I believe like creating something is a process and um yeah I, i'm really into building stuff to see things grow uh, and to like integrate uh, like a path of okay it's okay to do wrong right 
some of the time yeah because then you, you you're not like growing if you if you're not doing any failures we're, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your your uh growth for the business but you mentioned personal growth here like tell us about like how does that personify what is personal growth to you so that could be like let's say that so i started sales many years ago and i thought it was super scary to do sales presentations and uh, i was like okay i need to get over this and that was basically to um do so many presentations that i became comfortable in doing it mm. that is personal growth to like push you to the uncomfortable in order to get over the the fear or the thing that you think is is um i mean not so nice by by doing that, those kind of things all right right cool but uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, brightbit where do you come from what do you guys do so we have created an ai engine for google advertising on google text uh, google shopping and now on amazon so our goal has been to create the absolute best co-worker that have one goal, and that is just to optimize bids, demographical data, change ad copy based on the customer results, and to analyze like thousands of single data points. I mean, you could do this as a human, but it's, it will take you a lot of time and it's very um, cost inefficient. Mm. So that's why we have created an AI engine for Google Ads. Okay, cool. And um, who's your ideal customer? Our ideal customer is a customer that wants to sell something online that could be both like business B2C. So if you have an e-commerce yeah. um, and a B2B, but mainly like the main things is that you have a product that you want to sell online or get uh, inquiries like leads or something. So is there a specific customer based on sort of size of the operation or specific vertical within e-commerce that is your ideal customer? I would say that since we are offering both Google Text, that is mainly for B2B and now B2C with the merger that we did. Uh, I, I don't think that we have a, like a particular industry that this is very good. I would say like if you have an uh, ad uh, budget of uh, two, three thousand euros a month to spend. I would say that's a good start for us. And what can you tell us about the size of your operation, just to get things in perspective? Where are you at when it comes to ARR and growth? To start with that. So our ARR is uh, sixty-one million SEK uh, today. Okay. And we had a growth like year on year on one hundred and eighty-two percentage. Oh wow. Congratulations. Thank you so much. We've been running very fast. Yeah. We are 75 plus 75 employees. Wow. And have offices in Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and the UK, and serving customers across 25 markets through our uh, locations. All right. So, how have you funded this operation? So, we have raised uh, approximately 40 million uh, SEK. And then we merged with a company called uh, Specta, which is listed. So we became listed. All right. So so what was the reason of uh, the merger? Did you really want to get listed or was it other things? I mean, I saw this as a very strategic, I mean, natural way of going forward. We have raised 40 million, mainly through angels. So we don't have any VC uh, funding. Yeah. And uh, they had a solution which they have developed for many years for for e-commerce. 
uh, and we had our text uh, engine. So this was a like helped us accelerate our product development with with the, yeah one and a half to two years uh, almost. All right. So it's, it was a strategic merger in, in that way. And when it comes to the listed part, they happened to be listed. And you uh, had no choice. Yeah. You had no choice. Yeah. So, and I mean, throughout your journey, when you started, you, you sort of have had a, a certain methodology to get started and, and finding out what the customers need before, you know, investing a lot of money in product development. And, and I, th- I thought, I think there is a lot of learning from that can be applied in different phases of, of um, your company journey. But um, tell us a little bit more about how you went about this. I think like marketing testing is absolutely vital. Uh, I mean, we all know, you know, when people say build an MVP or build a minimal lovable product, the instinct is to just do that, to, to go and actually build it. Um, but there's different ways of doing it. I mean, in the lean startup thinking, there are so, so many, I mean, leaner ways of testing than building something. Uh, you know the Zappos story. The shoe guy? Yeah, the shoe <laughs> guy. He's a legend in, in the startup world. And how he got started, uh, I think a lot of entrepreneurs can, can learn from that. So the founder of, of Zappos, Nick Swinburne, I think he's called. Yeah. Um, he had this simple but, but bold idea to sell shoes online. And this was back at 99. So e-commerce was pretty new. Uh, but, but the crazy part is, I mean, Nick didn't have a huge inventory of shoes when he started. What he did was he went to the local shoe store, brought his digital camera. Remember, this was before smartphones. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just he started taking pictures of shoes. And then he, he posted the, uh, the shoes on his website, uh, which was basically an online catalog. Now, when someone ordered a pair of shoes from Nick... Um, he didn't go back in, 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 in from the stockroom to, to send it. He actually went down to the physical shoe store, bought the shoes for full retail price, and shipped them to his customer. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds a bit sounds a bit wild, right? Yeah, but but uh, <laughs> but but this is how he validated his idea without uh, spending a massive um, in investment like upfront to to test his pieces to sell shoes online yeah and you did something similar yeah we we did something similar we um uh, uh labeled three different um products b2b products and then we looked at okay who was i mean d- this was during like a five month period and then we saw that two of them went sideways one had a demand and that was uh the um, engine for for google text ads okay so then we we built our own with our own like tweaks and yeah based on our communication with our customers we also changed some stuff but that was a very like efficient way of of get getting started yeah but you put your own brand on it from the start or yeah so we white labeled okay okay so you had a thesis that the market needed something you went out and found just to make sure I fully understand this, you went out and found three products that somehow served, on paper at least, the same need. You white-labeled all three of them, and then one of them stood out. Is that what happened? Yes. So I, I had an agency before, so yeah. we were doing 
uh, e-commerce sites. Yeah. And what I heard was, okay, uh, could you help us out with the paid search? Mm-hmm. And uh, looking around, very hard to find this talent for paid search and also very expensive. So I thought there must be a way of, I mean, someone has done some automation on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how uh, I started to scout for different solutions. So instead of hiring um, a person for that, I was like, okay, I need to find a solution for it. Yeah, And that's how I, I found those three different um, products that, that we white labeled. And, and then, yeah, we, we built our own. Yeah. So what was there, was that always the intention to sort of try out the market and then build something yourself or did you just find that this solution we white label it can't really match all the requirements our customers have so we need to build ourselves it was exactly like that so we we white labeled it and then when speaking to customers they wanted to to change some stuff in the product okay uh and and that was like let's say we, we needed to cut away like 40 percentage of it mm-hmm so I was like, okay, so we take the good parts here, we take the learnings from the customer, and then we build it in order to uh, have a happy customer yeah. and to grow with, with the customer. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like there was a lawsuit there somewhere involved. No. No? No <laughs> lawsuit. <laughs> no. So uh, the, the, the platform that you used and got inspired by to a certain extent, like they can't have been too excited about you guys saying like, thank you and... Bye bye now. Now we're going to build this on our own. I think you know it's like a lot. Of, it's a lot of products out there, mm-hmm. and it's not about only the product. It's about like how you go to market. That is the, I mean, absolutely hardest thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll say like that is eighty percentage. I mean, there's so great, so many great product and product ideas. They just laying around because you cannot commercialize uh, on that. And, you know, when using that and getting inspired from that, the, the main takeaway is to not do like the exactly same thing, but is to do what are your customers really enjoying about the experience. Mm-hmm. So, so that's why we used a bit of the software and then had some um, manual steps uh, in that as well yeah, in yeah. order to deliver like the full service. Yeah. So what was the hardest part? I mean... Going from the white label solution and then developing and deploying your own solution. I mean, um, that's basically setting up a whole new department. Yeah, and to to establish an, a tech team, and and that takes time and is very uh, costing a lot of money to to have a tech team. Yeah, so that that was the main uh, pain to, yeah. to invest so much money. Uh, in, into it and to to establish a, a whole new department now focusing on uh, developing the product yeah i find it fascinating and, and really actually brilliant the way you tested the market without having to build a product you validated your a thesis that there's a need for this and you turned out that that product white label product you had was maybe not a hundred percent match but it saved you some time because you could go to market without having to build a tech team from the beginning rather than like many people do, like they build the MVPs and then t- try it out. I thought that was really clever and really brilliant. I'm curious, though, now as you're in this yourself, you have your own product and uh, that works really well for your customers. And I'm sure you're adding additions to that and there's multiple products coming out. 
what have you learned from this exercise and how can you deploy that to future product drops that you do? I think like the the way of developing new products is to do it with your customers. So in order to, I mean, so, so looking at like now and, and two years ahead, we want to serve all the different ad channels. And, and how we do that is that we are, I mean, working with our customers and asking them like, okay, so if you want to do something on Amazon, would it be nice for you? Would you save time if we uh, created a bridge from Amazon for you to online and to advertise on Google Shopping? So like, yes. And then we are doing the manual steps and then we are putting it, okay, good. We got a happy customer. They want to pay for the service. Then we're putting that into production. So it's not always that. I mean, how I see uh, like product development is to have a very close relationship with your customers. And you don't need to have like 100% automated from day one. Uh, you can do those manual steps. But if they are enjoying the product and are willing to pay for it, then you have a product market fit. Right. Uh, and then you can put it in production. So yeah. that's how I see on like building uh, features in for us going forward yeah and do you have a particular program or process if you may to involve and include the customer in this or is there like i don't know a committee of some kind or is it customer success that deals with it how do you make sure you get the right input at the right time from the right type of companies so um we have um two selected guys at the customer uh service department customer success department uh, that handles like uh, mainly larger customers, and I have a very close dialogue with them, and they are also in a product committee. So they are uh, putting their like, okay, we should do this, or bringing their ideas to the table. Uh, and this this is something that we do uh, twice uh, a month. And um, I mean, but we have so much so much to build, but the the process of discovering new products is is happening with the customers through the customer success managers and that say like um this would be smart i would like to automate away this manual step yeah okay what is required to do that okay and then we speak with product and, and take and how do you validate which one of all these great ideas that come in are the ones that are going to make you money or the ones that make the difference yeah so so I'll say it's, it's it's pretty easy. So I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do some material for this um, like potential product. And if you're getting a paying customer on this feature and saying, of course, that we're going to develop this together with you, um, that's how we're validating it because it's a lot of ideas out there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, the hard thing is to, <laughs> to validate. Like, so, so I would say like that has been a very efficient way of doing it is to actually uh, get the customer success manager to speak with the customer and say like, okay, this is what's going to cost. Uh, of course, you're getting a very like, good price. We, we will do this service semi-manual, but in six months or three months, uh, we will have a product for you. Yes or no? Yeah. So essentially, to some extent, you get somebody to co-fund the, the development of this new product and in return, they get you know a little bit of a better deal and early access, and get to influence how this product is going to shape up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, that is the main thing. Since I mean, everyone is. I mean, there's never enough people, never enough money. 
uh, never enough resources, right? right? So to be efficient and solving problems for the customer that helps the customer to, I mean, save time um, or make money. It's, um, I think that's that's a really important thing. And what you can do with generative AI today, that that's crazy. Are you building a SaaS business? Achieving ISO 27001 or SOC 2 compliance can help you win bigger deals, enter new markets, and deepen trust with your customers. But it can also cost you real time and money. Vanta automates up to 90% of the work needed to get and stay compliant. Get audit ready in weeks instead of months and save up to 85% of associated cost. Over 6,000 fast-growing companies use Vanta to manage risk and prove security in real time. Sassiest listeners get 20% off Vanta at Vanta.com slash Sassiest. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash Sassiest. So, so a question here, I mean, it sounds like a success story, you sort of, uh, you found out the needs of the market and you built your own product uh, and so on. But what mistakes did you do or what was harder than you thought and so on? Could you tell us a little bit about that? I mean, I've done a lot of mistakes on this journey. Yes, those are the ones we are looking for. So <laughs> Give it. <laughs> Give us the juicy stuff. Yeah, so, I mean... One mistake could be like, okay, we have funded some money. Now we're gonna start to advertise super heavily. Yeah. But we don't we don't getting the return on investment that we are thinking. And that is to like overspend on an idea too much. Uh, I would say that could be like in different departments, it can be in tech, it could be in marketing. Uh, but to to overspend and not be careful with each let's say investment that is something that that i have I've also learned the the hard way all right um but but i thought also you know in particular with the transition from sort of the the um, white labeling product and then you know building something on your own was there anything there that was you know harder than you thought it was I mean, I'm a commercial guy, so yeah. I always think that that things will be done much faster than they <laughs> actually are. Of course, and 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 uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did a lot of uh, mistakes, of course, building the product, and that's that's a part of the game. But like to be, I mean, answer more precisely, uh, I think that we uh, should have maybe gone into to more platforms earlier. And not doing only the the text piece. Okay, that, that's why like Specta became such so interesting to to merge with because they had um, another suite of of, of Google mm. the shopping piece. Yeah. One other thing that you mentioned when we talked before was that uh, you have a really good hit rate on your account based marketing exercises. So could you just tell us a little bit about that as well because um, I think that can be interesting for for the listeners here. Yeah, so we have combined uh, SDRs together with uh, ABM, account-based marketing. And that has been, I mean, I would would say very successful. So what we do there is that we are, I mean, taking out a list with three to 500 different companies. And we are targeting them for four to six weeks. And then we are putting the list of the companies to the SDR department and uh, scheduling meetings with them. And that has been a very 
cost-efficient way of getting meetings with the new potential customers. And also it's like, you know, okay, I, I would really love to have this customer. Uh, and that has been a very efficient and cost-efficient way of uh, getting meetings with, with new customers. Yeah. Uh, and how do you sort of select the customers? Have you sort of... Because you don't know their advertising spend, right? You, you mentioned they should have two to three thousand, um, you know, a month, but you don't know that, right? So we use a tool uh, for that called uh, Semrush. Okay. And um, in in Semrush, we can get like an approximate of and and spend. So we are having that data uh, when we are doing the ABM. All right. But then sometimes it could just be like, oh, this that, that this is a really cool brand. I would love to have them as a customer. Yeah, of course. But uh, but but doing it like in a larger scale, we are using tools to um, to identify potential customers. Okay. So through Samrush, is there is it specifically ad spend that you can see there, or is there other things if you want sort of to find a good selection of companies to target? Is there other things that you can get out of that solution as well? I mean that's a very very large uh, software solution. You can get like SEO, SEM. Yeah. Um, so so, but we are mainly looking into approximately ad spend. Okay. Yeah. Because if if they if they spend over let's say three four or five thousand euros, it's a very interesting customer. All right. So looking forward, I mean you have grown really really fast here, and uh, where do you see yourselves in? Uh, let's say three to five years do you see that far in the future or what's your perspective i'll say it's, it's a lot of things and, and also exciting things and scary things with generative ai yeah uh, i think it's very hard for someone to say like where we are in five years but let's say like two years from now uh we will have a solution that that covers i mean a self-serve platform that covers all the different advertising platforms and like an ecosystem for for advertising, having an AI allocating budget between channels. I mean, have an independent AI because all the large advertisers they've been dealing with AI for many many years. They know. I mean, you using their service for free, and the extra second that you stayed on something, they know what you like, but also what you don't like. Right. But they will optimize within their universe. And we want to be this independent AI that lays on top and allocating between platforms uh, based on our customers' needs. Yeah, that is that is how I see ourselves in in two years. Yeah. So so if there is anyone out there that you know either are starting a company and sort of thinking of should should we try the same thing? Should we start with white labeling a product or or maybe you're a company that you know that have a product suite or a product offering, but you know you want to try out another module, another you know addition to to what you do today and and maybe thinking about white labeling do you have any tips of what to think about when you're doing that so if if you are new startup you have an idea i would say you pick up the phone and start dialing yeah <laughs> uh do 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 the classic uh, leg work in terms of sales see if you get any meetings see if there is an interest there find some like light solution that could uh, help the customer solve the problem. 
that is like when you're bootstrapped and you want to get something out and to see like without spending too much uh, time and effort into it. Uh, that's my recommendation to a startup that that is bootstrapped. And uh, recommendations for a more mature company, I would say, work a lot with customer success. Integrate this in as a process uh, when the customer success managers are working with the client. You don't need to have all the customer success uh, working like this, but involve them into the product team to pick up like, okay, what does the customer need? What does it like? What can we do? And do it manual from the beginning to see if, okay, do we have attraction? Are we actually solving a problem? Are we doing that? Put it in production. Yeah. yeah. And we can relate to a little bit to that, Thomas, as well. Like, you know, with the, we've built some of the products or offerings together with the customers when they were half-baked. We, we published some of them, tested the waters a little bit, and we got some feedback and... I guess after the feedback, we fully baked it. Uh, so so we, we can appreciate that. And that has worked really well for us because then you know at all times you're on the... Yeah, well, you know if you're on the right track or not because people will tell you. And, and the best way they will tell you is that they will not pay for it if you're on the wrong uh, wrong track. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's so important to get something out in the market because otherwise you're just sitting at home, you're building and building and you're sort of making assumptions. And... and even if you're not white labeling, if even if you're building from the ground, just get that you know product out there and start getting the feedback. And so it's it's so important to stay close to the customers all the time. Otherwise, you build something that no one is interested in, right? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, by the end of the day, the customer, I mean, the market decides if this should survive or not absolutely and the market moves fast it's shifting all the time and especially i mean in your area now you know if you're going into ai if you're going into more you know all all these ad things and so on it it's it's gonna move fast and uh, and uh, you need to make sure that you are very close to the market so uh, interesting to hear about how, how you have gone about it um is there anyone that you think we should get on the show that you know that you would be excited to to listen to? Uh, Tor Olaf Filogen at Stravito. All right, uh, it would be interesting to to hear him in the podcast. What should we talk with him about? Customer satisfaction. Uh-huh. All right. Okay. Do they have a secret sauce over there? They've done something magical? I guess we'll find out, right? <laughs> yeah, I think you should ask him about his secret sauce. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, and also lastly here, is there anything that you are looking for right now? We have a great community listening, so you can't ask for customers, but uh, something else. <laughs> I would say more expertise in uh, artificial intelligence. That's what I'm looking for right now. Okay. I think that's a tough one because everybody's looking for that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 We, we're hiring. Yeah. So so do, do you have money in in, in the chest so, so you will continue expanding and hiring new people? Is, is that what we can expect from you guys? Yeah. So we have slowed down a bit on our growth. Yeah. Uh, focusing uh, now only on like profitability not only unit economics, uh, but uh, our plan is still to to have a, I mean, fast pace going forward. So uh, AI is something that is really interesting, and we need more engineers to to support that development. All right, awesome, cool. Congratulations on the fantastic journey you've had so far, and 180% uh, growth year over year. I think there's there's room 
you'd be okay if you only grow 100% as well. So <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. But Gustav, it's been great talk to, talking to you, get to know you a little bit uh, and uh, Brightbeard. And uh, well, see you around. Thank you so much for having me. So nice to meet you guys. Take care now. Take care. So Daniel, what's your takeaway from this episode? That sometimes you have to break the norm and not just follow the playbook. Uh, and I like how they were creative and in his word did the Sapos idea, like they had an idea, there was a need, but instead of like just putting a lot of money into, in this case, building a product, they took something that was already ready built, you know, labeled it, fine-tuned it probably a little bit and could go to market really quickly. So for me, in this case, it was a product-related exercise, but I think that's a great example of what our world is all about. You've got to find creative ways to test the market, to push a message in a way that you can move really fast without overcommitting budget-wise or time-wise, because if this wouldn't have worked out for them, not too big of a problem because they, they wouldn't have sink a lot of money into the product. And I think this type of concept this type of bringing forward new ideas, whether it's in product or marketing or sales or wherever it is, I think it's something that I, at least I personally really believe a lot in. Like you got to do stuff with small footprint, get it out there, see if it works, and then just double down. So, you know, m more power to them. Hats off to them for, for being a creative uh, company. To, to launch a product like this. Absolutely. So that, that is what I take. Thomas, what do you take from this? I mean, on that theme, but um, but also, you know, an extension of that would be to, you know, work very closely with your customers, especially when you're launching a new product or if you are doing an extension, you know, bring them in. And as he said, it's, it's not every six months. Uh, they are doing an exercise twice a month to, to sort of, fine-tune and get the input from the customers and, and make sure that they navigate um, in, a, in a way that, that um, is relevant for the customers. So, yeah, I think that. And, and, you know, if you're in a market that is moving really fast, make sure that you move fast with the customers. Definitely. Well said. Speaking about moving fast, there's a lot of stuff happening this year. And like you said here in the opening statement, Thomas, Join us for uh, uh, the big event here in April. And of course, if you've missed out to sign up for the CEO and executive network, if you ask us nicely, we might be able to find a spot for, for you somewhere. But from here on, it's full throttle for us and we really look forward to do a lot of fun stuff throughout the year. Yeah. And sometimes people come to us and say, oh, I didn't know that you did that. Well, there's no excuse. There's a lot of ways for you to keep track of what's happening in the SASIS community. You can, you know, put sassiest.com as your start site in your browser. No, but there is a lot of information there. You can find all the events, all the things that are happening uh, there, the networks. Uh, we have the newsletter. Sign up for the Sassiest newsletter. You will get uh, once a week where you have the latest news. You have a lot of good content, articles, uh, keep track of the podcasts that are coming out and then also the Slack community. So if you're working for a B2B SaaS community, European headquarters, it's free to join the Slack community, join the discussions and keep up to date as well. So looking forward to meeting you in any of these forums. And uh, as always, appreciate you listening. You can reach out at contact.sassius.com or uh, DM us at LinkedIn. We always answer everyone. So with that said, see you around and see you soon again. Mm -hmm.